grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Father, we give you thanks for this opportunity to gather here among your people, among family, friends. We ask now that your word may fill our hearts with joy and peace and love. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was a senior in seminary, um, it was 1999 to 2000, I was the youth director at Zion Lutheran, you know, on the other side of town. And so every Tuesday morning, I would drive from the campus in Columbia, get off on 378 for my 20, drive down, and go to the Chick-fil-A for breakfast. Any of y'all remember doing that? We got, we got a, I'm guessing a parent, right? <laughs> And so, because all the churches, all the Lutheran churches in Lexington would do this. And so, when I would get off on 378, I remember it was basically a gas station and then maybe a house or two. And I would look for Golden Hills Golf Course to know that I was almost to the Chick-fil-A. Fast forward six years later, in 2006, I'd been a pastor um, since, since 2000. And I was asked to interview at Pilgrim Lutheran Church, the church over there on the dam. And so I come in from North Carolina, you know, go down 77, get off, go to I-20, and then come to 378, get off, and all of a sudden I'm driving, and after about half a mile, I began to worry. Was this the, did I, am, is this the right exit? Because everything was completely different. This place that used to just be barren land with trees and, you know, a house here or there, it had exploded. There was like restaurants and stores and businesses all down 378. You know what I'm talking about. You've driven down 378. It used to not be that way. And in six years, it's like Lexington just blew up. And, and it hasn't stopped, has it? It's just growing and growing and growing. And it's kind of out of hand. But, you know, who am I to say? I'm one of the people with fault because I moved in here, right? I'm not a native but actually, I blame you people that remember when this was the only thing here was Lexington High School and the Piggly Wiggly. Because if you hadn't made it such a great place to live, we wouldn't be here. But the truth is, Lexington has and is just growing and growing and growing. And it causes some issues, right? I mean, the schools, good gracious, every time they build a school within a week and a half, it is to capacity. And they're putting trailers out back, aren't they? And then the, they're building a school on average every year in this district. Every year. But that's not the worst part of the growth, is it? What's the worst part of the growth here? Traffic. Yes. Good gracious. Traffic in Lexington is awful, isn't it? You know, I remember, did any of y'all happen to get out at all during COVID when the world was shut down? It was the craziest thing. It was like one of those horror movies where everybody had just been, you know, like left behind. And you're the only one left behind. That's probably going to happen for me. But anyway, um, so, so Stacy and I go to our gym. It, it's, if there's no traffic, it's 10 minutes away. On the way home at 5 o'clock, it takes 30 to 45 minutes to get back. 30 to 45 minutes. This is a small suburb, isn't it? And I mean, we are backed up bumper to bumper all down 378. And that's awful, isn't it? Just awful. But then there is this thing that makes it even worse. 
And it's the fact that for some reason, drivers today think that the road belongs to them. And they have lost all sense of decency. Let me give you all a little uh, driver's ed quiz here and see how you do. Say you're driving from here and you're turning left into the parking lot between Taco Bell and Maurice's. You know what I'm talking about? And then somebody is in that parking lot and they're turning left out onto Main Street or West Main Street. Who has the right of way? I do because you're on the main road. Okay, that's what I thought until I tried to turn and some other lady tried to turn out. And then when I cut her off, she rolls down her windows and has some very unnice churchy words for me. Because heaven forbid I actually encroach on her road. But you know what? That part doesn't even bother me. You know what's the worst? You're in bumper to bumper traffic and you see some poor soul sitting there waiting to turn in. And you know that Jesus is going to come back before they ever get a chance to get onto the road. And so I let them in like a good Christian should. And you know what they do? Nothing. They don't say thank you, nothing. How hard is it to do this? I mean, just wave with all five fingers. I know it's a new twist for some people. And, and, but whatever happened to people saying thank you? I mean, it's not that difficult. It, it, it's not to just say thank you. But it's not just in driving, is it? I mean, for some reason in our world today, we've gotten this idea that we are entitled. That the world sort of revolves around us and that everything is owed to us. You know? Remember when people used to say thank you to waiters and waitresses in a restaurant? Or to the people that checked you out, you know, in a store? You know? Some people do still do that. I actually said thank you to a cop one time when I got a ticket. Because that's how mama taught me, you know? But maybe mamas aren't teaching that anymore. I don't, I don't know what it is. Or maybe we're just in too much of a hurry... I mean, look, I'll be the first to admit that sometimes I drop the ball when it comes to saying thank you. You know, some people, like, are big on thank you notes. I, I, I fail on thank you notes all the time. I, I think I still have thank you notes to write from, from my wedding 26 years ago. Um, that's not true. My mother and my wife had too many nightmares about me not doing it. Trust me, I got them done. But, you know, the, the thing is... I drop the ball sometimes and say thank you. And maybe I, I'm not as appreciative on things as I ought to be. And I think that happens to everybody, right? But there's a difference between that and entitlement. And I'll, and I'll show you what I mean. In the first reading, we heard about Naaman, the, the commander of, of the army of Aram. And so he had leprosy, which was a deadly disease back then. And so... This, this little servant girl that worked in his house um, told his wife, Hey, I know this prophet in Israel. He can cure him. Great. And, and so, you know, they go through the king of Israel and all that. And so Elisha's like, sure, I'll, I'll cure him. I think that'd be a good thing. And so Naaman comes to Elisha's house. And Elisha sends word out to him. Go tell him to wash himself in the Jordan seven times. And what does Naaman do? He gets furious. Why? Because the least that guy could have done is come out and said hi. He's going to cure him, but 
Naaman's upset because this guy didn't even bother to say hello or wave his hands to heal him. Because he felt entitled. Then we hear another reading about ten lepers. Again, lepers. Leprosy is a, is a horrible, debilitating illness where things break out all over a person's skin and eventually it, it's fatal. And so it's very contagious. In those days, it meant that you were no longer allowed to be part of society. You couldn't be around your family, your friends. They would send you out of town to what they called leper colonies. So basically, you were there with a bunch of strangers who were also dying. And the only way that you were able to really survive was by begging, by the hospitality or the, the, the charity of others who would give offerings so that maybe you could buy some food. Well, Jesus was walking uh, between Samaria and Galilee, and, and one of these leper colonies was there, and ten of them yelled out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And so Jesus said, go and show yourselves to the priests. And immediately they went, and while they were going, their, their skin cleared up and they were healed. And can you imagine, can you imagine, all of a sudden their life had been returned to them. The joy, the, the elation. And see, they had to go to the priest because only a priest could deem them to be healed. And when the priest said that, then they could go back. They could go back to their jobs, they could go back to their families. They could go back to life. So they went, just as Jesus commanded, except for one. When he saw this, he turned around went back to Jesus and said, thank you. Jesus asked the same thing that we're asking. Weren't ten healed? Where are the other nine? I mean, only one of them comes back to say thank you? I just gave their life back to them, and they don't even bother to say thanks? I mean, is it too much to ask for them to just say, thanks, Jesus? What happened? Well... Before we get too hard on these poor lepers, let's, let's remember a couple things. First of all, they did exactly what Jesus told them to do, didn't they? Jesus said, go and show yourselves to the priest. And what did they do? They went and showed themselves to the priest. They were following the rules. They did what they were supposed to do. But still, I mean, if you were Jesus, what would you have done? Well, buddy, you're welcome at least you're still cleared of leprosy. But those guys, <laughs> sorry, they'll be back in this because I'm giving it back to them, right? Wouldn't we do that? You ungrateful so-and-so, here's your leprosy back. I mean, but no, Jesus didn't do that. They were still cleansed of their leprosy. And so in all of their excitement, they forgot to come back. I mean, isn't that what we do sometimes? I'm sure that some of the people that I let in are just so excited that somebody was nice enough to finally let them into traffic that they forget all about the fact of saying thank you. And sometimes we get so excited about whatever gift we've been given or, or that something happens nice to us, and we're so busy with life that we forget to say thank you. We not only forget to say thank you to our family and friends, but how often do we forget to say thank you to the one who gives us everything? To God Almighty. I mean, we have a, a whole day set aside 
just for that, right? We have Thanksgiving. We need a day out of the year to remember to say thank you to God. Doesn't seem, something seem kind of wrong with that? God has given us everything, and we forget to say thank you. But you know something? Those nine lepers were still made clean. And you and I are still gifted with so much from God, even though we're not always as appreciative as we should be. We still have been given life and salvation. Despite our fallen and brokenness, despite our ungratefulness, God still gives it to us. But don't you think that maybe, just maybe, we ought to be appreciative? Because see, here's the thing. When that one returned, Jesus said to them, go, your faith has made you well. Nine were cleaned, one was made well. Nine were given their life, one was given life eternal. You see, the thing is, when we fail to live a life of gratitude, we miss out on the best part. That's what happened with with the other nine they were still they were still healed they their leprosy was still gone but they missed the best part they missed that connection with Jesus they missed being made well and my friends when you and I fail to show our gratitude it's not like our salvation is going to be ripped away from us it's not like God's not going to love us anymore but we're going to miss out on the best part I mean, we've talked about this in, in here before, about the importance of generosity and how life-changing it is. And how the happiest people on earth are generous people. Scientific fact. And so, what we need to do is we need to work on how to say thank you. And the way I see it, there are four, there are four T's that are part of thank. The first one is talk. Say thank you. When we pray... Don't just say, God, give me, God, give me, God, heal me, God, do this, God, do that. God, thank you. I've said this so many times in here, and I'm going to say it again. Start every day with writing down three things that you are grateful for. Three different things every day that you're grateful for. Write them down. And as, as you focus your mind on gratitude, it's amazing how much more content you are. It's about... How much more grateful you are. So number one is talk. Number two is time. We are given a finite number of seconds in a day. uh, A finite number of minutes in our lives. They're special. They're precious, are they not? And so one way that we can say thank you is by offering our time. As we serve ministry here at Pisgah or out in the world in our daily lives, we are offering our time as a way to say thank you to God, not only for what we've been given, but also for the time that we've been given. When we return some of it back, we're saying thank you. And the next part is our talent. You know, the mission here, we share our gifts to show God's love. That is a way of saying thank you. Because God has gifted us with everything we have. Everything. He has made you the special person that you are. And when you use those specific gifts and talents in ministry, you're saying thank you. And lastly, treasure. 
I'll say it again. Everything you have comes from God. And yes, that includes your bank account. It all belongs to God. And it, it's just on loan to us. And so when we return a, just a portion of what God's, been given, God's given us, we're saying thank you. So we say it with our mouths. We say it with our hands. We say it with our, our, our watches. We say it with our wallets. Thank you, God. And see, that's going from being thanksgiving to thanks living. To living out that gratitude, which will change not just your day. It'll change your life. Because when you give thanks to God, that's when you get truly made well. Amen.